Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table Gaming, episode 79. And I'm joined by Tamu from 25 Years of Minis and Counting, the blog. You may remember him from actually episode 61 when he came on and talked about the Others faction. And Mika, who actually helped out with the Tabletop Simulator update. But they're here to talk today about a very different subject. So first off, uh, Tamu and Mika, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so I'm excited. Now, you guys have been involved in a lot of things in the Song of Ice and Fire community. And today we're going to be talking about campaign gaming. And before we do that, you know, so there is a mini campaign out for a Song of Ice and Fire of the Miniatures, an official one called First in Battle. And it's got this little, uh, little you know, moniker of a mini campaign. And it kind of has played a, a, a series of games, played at an increasing point value, and your characters can, your units can gain levels. Uh, that's a mini campaign, though. So for, for people who maybe are jumping into gaming and have never played war games before, have a very a shallow background, they're kind of new to all of this, but what, what's different from regular gameplay, like, you know, your competitive tournament play, or even that first in battle mini campaign, and just like campaign gaming in general? What is campaign gaming? Well, that's a big question, but let's, let's try to tackle that one. Um... I typically play campaigns. We have a very good club here in Helsinki and many of us are organizing them. And what, what I like about it, and I guess that also defines a good campaign, it, it, that it creates a narrative. And, and just, you're just not playing like a pickup game on a random, random basis, but you actually maybe have a strategy. Uh, you might have a map in your campaign which is interacting with the actual battles you play with your miniatures. And, and, and you can uh, build your empire, you know, all those things you might be familiar from, from computer games, video games, but, but totally transferable to, to miniature wargaming too. And so, uh, uh, Mika, a lot of time people get hyper-focused on competitive play, uh, and to be honest, it's been a it's been a while since we've done in a Song of Ice and Fire like state of the game poll. But in the past, our polls consistently showed that the vast majority of people who play a Song of Ice and Fire, they're not tournament players. Um, so for those that are playing in a more casual setting, you know, what do you think might be the appeal of playing in a campaign style game? Like, what do you enjoy about it, doing that, Mika? For me, it's actually just variation. So it's it's nice to go out of the comfort zone of kind of playing same way constantly so so for me personally it's just about playing the game with a bit different rules this time maybe a bit different rules that time uh, personally i have nothing against tournament play so i i like tournament plays also but uh, it's nice to that you can have one game and play it in various ways not just in one way and so that's what I want to get into today. So hearing about the campaign that you ran, your War of the Five Kings campaign. And if you're a listener and you're a tournament player, this might be a kind of a fun alternate thing to experience. Or if you're more of a casual player and you've been looking for something that's narrative based, I think you're really going to like what Tamu has come up with here and, and run successfully. So as we start to go in and talk about your campaign that you ran, um, kind of big picture first, 
how was your campaign set up to kind of expand upon a song of ice and fire a song of ice and fire's flavor and theme like if people are really into the story and the narrative you know how did your campaign on the ground level kind of set up to enhance those parts that people like i guess i guess the obvious uh, answer first answer to that is that we were playing on a map of westeros um founded it for example in uh, risk variation for game of thrones and 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 there was very strong interaction between the map and the actual campaign game which is a game in itself and then the the battles with the as i have song of ice and fire tabletop miniatures game battles and and uh obviously you know on the map you have these key locations like king's landing winterfell twins um castle rock and so forth so these also had a special special impact in the in our game in the campaign game and i think mika mika gave a good uh, lead there saying that having a little bit of a different setup there was a, a, a strong interaction like i said between the campaign game and then the actual battles and for example i was playing targaryens so I, if i would play uh, with Khal Drogo, and he would be sort of a casualty in my my game. Then he would have to to wait for one round of the campaign to play again, because he was, you know, licking his wounds and, oh. and re- recovering. And in this way, I wanted to lead the players uh, to not always play, you know, with the the maximum power list. Right. They, are used to playing but trying out different commanders and and you know any named hero if that would be a casualty you were not allowed to use it the next round so how did the you know so so you got a map then of of westeros that's so cool so you're kind of layering the game with the map um so you know how did how did games play out how did you move around the, the map what was the campaign round sort of like yeah that that's a good question uh, the campaign has has something like four different phases, and then shall we quickly recap those? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so it all, and this is very much also about what is very important, if I say that first. The very important thing is that there needs to be a balancing mechanic in in a good campaign, because otherwise you might end up in a situation that those players that have maybe lost, let's say, the first two battles they they fought, they might be in a situation that in a bad campaign system, they feel that I cannot win anymore. I'm, my chances are gone. And then the motivation drops and people drop out of the campaign. Hmm. And obviously that's not good. So how, this, how, we, how we balance the game is actually very much built into this. So the new round begins, obviously, we have a status update. How does the map look like? what's the score, who's leading, and so forth. And then whoever is, is ranking lowest gets to make two things first. First of all, they throw out a challenge to another player in the campaign. So they, they can pick up whoever they want, and if they feel that they are not quite up to the challenge, to challenging those you know top-tier players, we had like people like me and Mika. We've been playing dozens of games, and then there, then there were quite a few. <laughs> so my free folk <laughs> army could be like, "Don't fight the Targaryens." I want exactly. to go over <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
so they can pick up who they want to fight. And and obviously you you look at the map, okay, who's next to my borders, and then you can choose: Do I want to avoid them? Because if they would win the battle, they can conquer my territory. Or if I want to challenge them, because that gives me the opportunity to to you know jump on them and grab grab their land. Mm-hmm. And secondly, we have something like fifteen different events, and and there are better events. Uh, and, and not so good events. And those events, there's two kinds. They're the kinds that help you in the actual battle. Let's say you get a 10% larger army. Oh, wow. Or let's say uh, the other player has to set up their army first before you deploy a single unit. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a, an advantage in the actual battle. And or, how do these events like happen? Like, Is it random? Is it... You, the, 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 it is picked up in the same order as the challenges are given. Okay. So that's also a balancing system. So if I'm last in the campaign, I pick up the opponent, I feel confident that I can have a good game and maybe even win. And then I can take one of the better events or let's say bonuses that, that for example, gives me 10% larger army. And in this way, uh, the it's balancing up. If I'm last in the campaign, I'm maybe playing with a little larger army, or I might have another bonus that gives me a better opportunity to improve my position. That's the first part. So, Mika, what was it like as a as a player when you first started coming into this? Did you have like a strategy in mind? Uh, I actually did not have a strategy. I felt that the the campaign system, even though they would earlier just mentioned that kind of he likes to play strategically but uh, for me the plan was to go with tactics on mind so so kind of reacting to situations as they arise i of course had guidelines but i wouldn't want to call call it a strategy that 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 i just kind of always acted upon what happened so kind of carpe diem followed what kind of <laughs> happened and acted on what happened on the field. And what faction were you playing? Uh, I was playing the Lannisters. Uh, oh, wait, sorry, 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 no, sorry, sorry. You sorry. Not. <laughs> Stark. I play so many games that I forget. I played no Starks, actually. Starks, yeah. yeah Starks. I was, okay. I was just about to say that Mika didn't need it any stretch. <laughs> He was playing damn Starks. Oh my gosh, shots <laughs> fired. Okay, <laughs> well, it shows I've ever. So um, so you have this cool like event system, you have a challenge system. It sounds like you're really working on balance and and you have a cool mechanic for if characters get wounded in the battle, having to rotate them out. So yeah. when you're playing your games, like you might be in a situation where your your best commander that you're most experienced with is, is sitting the round out. And so you might want to challenge like a different person than you might normally. That's really cool. Um, so... How did that play into like the the final objective of a campaign might be to win the campaign? How mm-hmm. how do you win in your campaign? Yes, so that actually comes then to the also the next phase of of a campaign round. So your your goal is to make your empire or your kingdom mightier and mightier, and and there's different ways that you can build up your score. The obvious um, is that obviously when you when you win the battle, so after the challenges, you go into the fighting the battles, and depending on how how major the victory on the battlefield is, you get these empire points that you can use to to conquer new territory. If you won, 
the battle against your opponent. You can grab some land from them, so making their kingdom smaller and yours bigger. Uh, secondly, you can build castles and cities, making your, once again, more, more mightier. Uh, you can hoard some more gold, you can go raiding, uh, steal some more valuable gold, or you can build mines on your, your um, mountains to, to um, of course, mine gold. So, so there are these different factors playing in. So it's not just the battles. It's, it's your territory, it's your cities and, and castles and so forth. So, so how, how did you balance the, the, those like elements like, you know, you can build mines and you can claim territory looking at the risk board itself. And, and for those at home, just kind of closing your eyes and envisioning the map of Westeros, uh, the Game of Thrones TV show actually really helps with that, like zooming around. Um, it seems like some places would have better land than others, right? If you're like the free folk and you're like, I have frozen tundra, <laughs> like, yeah. yay. I mean. How how did you balance that out? Because would some areas does everyone start with the same amount of territory? Yeah, everybody started with two regions. Okay. Oh, and okay, then, that makes sense. Yeah, and that was like a really big part of the tactics that uh, for each um, faction, I had pl I have like nominated that they had three different options to start from or choose as as they their starting regions. And and so they got got to choose two out of three, and that of course you know, was part of the maybe the bigger bigger picture that one player chose both of their RS in the north, so they really mm -hmm. wanted to focus there. Uh, Mika had one place uh, quite down in the south near High Garden, and the other one I think it was. Um, What's the location for Tully's river run? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was in the south and in the middle. So maybe he had a good position to to expand. And and um, some players obviously chose to be closer to King's Landing, which was the most valuable place and and the most fought over place. But but um, yeah, I get that money. Yeah yeah, I get of course if if you have King's Landing, you have more power. So, so uh, that that's that's part of the strategy that choose your starting locations, and then you can only expand your empire to adjacent areas of your current empire. So that's why it's really really important, and it, it was always easier to conquer regions that no faction has ha, had a hold yet on, and so they were like neutral areas; nobody owned them. And and, and as the camp campaign proceeded. Uh, there were fewer and fewer of these like easy to grab uh, gotcha. regions, and then then you were like fighting harder, and 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 choosing who to fight was far more tactical as we went on. So the Game of Thrones world, the uh, sorry, the A Song of Ice and Fire world is one that is dominated not just by physical contact, uh, content. Uh, not just by physical contest, but also there's like a lot of like diplomacy and alliances. And was any of that kind of encapsulated in the campaign? Absolutely, but I can't tell you because I would be revealing all my tricks. Oh, okay, fair enough. I got some mystery there. All right. Yeah, no, I, that was actually encouraged. And, and uh, at some point, Mika, I think we had a sort of a not a very long, but but one alliance that we realized that you were not. <laughs> I, we were we were like both quite close to the top, and and uh, 
And then we kind of agreed that, first of all, we don't challenge one another in, and that we kind of tried to play so that we both would have a good position to grab the victory in the end. And, and, and that kind of thing is actually, that kind of diplomacy is, is definitely uh, recommended. It, it really adds to the flavor and, and really fits the, the kind of, you know, in the Game of Thrones, we, you, we know yeah. So not to rub any salt in the wounds, but Mika, what, what happened with that, uh, that alliance there? Well, it it served its purpose clearly, so I won. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh, you dastardly Starks! What? Where you weren't playing it like Ned and being like, "I'm going to be honorable and I'm never going to go out on my word." Or yeah, I, I didn't. But, uh, so oh. the alliance did kind of held to the end, but I, I just kind of in the, this was quite close to the end and, and at that point i really started counting out the points that hey what's my best way to go and and them was actually the leader at that point and yes. of course my my oh, no, you feeling, dethroned him <laughs> yeah no, yeah exactly that my god did i make a mistake was, having you both on the podcast did i have separate <laughs> recordings are you guys uh still friends here what's going on Two so, separate shirts. yeah <laughs> So it was kind of that my gut feeling first was that I need to beat the leader. So I need to beat the demo. But then I was thinking that, hey, actually, everybody wants to beat the demo. And I was actually third or or even even lesser at that point. So I kind of, it was easy to make that deal that, okay. Peter Bayless over here. I want to attack you and and I will attack the second guy. And maybe maybe that brings me a victory. And and apparently it did. Wow. Absolutely the right move, Mika, because. (laughs) Because um, in the last round, because after the, not the last round, but the round before, I was leading the campaign. And, and then, you know, everybody came at me, or well, not everybody, but many of them came at me. So there are once again these events, these options. So first I was challenged by one, one player who had the opportunity to strike at King's Landing, which I was holding. Then another player took an event which allowed him to also challenge me. So I, I had a, two battles to fight in the last round. And then the third player used an event which is called like destruction. So he was sabotaging my, my buildings, my castles and my cities. And I, I, I lost some of my, my power due to that. And, and actually without that last thing that, he, that one player did, I would have been second, but then I dropped to, to the third place, but only like 0.9 points uh, behind Mika. So the five of us, the top five players, were all within one point in the final score. And Mika, do you remember how many points did you have? It was like 14.5. Yes. So it was really, really tight and really, really narrow. And, and I, I think that really proved how balanced this mechanism is. Yeah, it's kind of that it's, uh, it's a good way to balance games to give a lot of kind of daggers to players. So the beat the leader mentality that, that there, if, if, if the campaign rules give kind of methods to beat the leader, it's very it helps to keep the balance. And this sounds like it would be a great event to do with a community that is growing and that has a lot of really veteran players and 
newer players in that it gives newer players some some um, other methods to uh, you know you know compensate some compensating factors. Um, so man, so w- they can find the the details of this campaign on your blog. Twenty five years of minis. We'll link it in the show notes for this podcast. So say people want to jump in and and do this. You know, you're a veteran when it comes to this. Uh, you you design the system and you've run it successfully. And before the show, you're mentioning you've run other sorts of campaigns in the past. What sort of things do people need to know to be able to successfully run something like this on their own? Right. So we're now in the middle of a you know a COVID nineteen crisis. I know some places are starting to come out of it, um, but maybe people have some extra time to plan for these things, planning for their return. What sort of things should they be thinking about so that they could they could do something like this and be successful? Yeah, we've, we've covered a few of them. Uh, the balance, and that, of, of course, linked to players' motivation is the key. Um, that's the most important thing. And a campaign needs to serve preferences of, of uh, different players and also to keep up the motivation. So some, some people want to play more hardcore. They're mm-hmm. most welcome to do that. Um, and then the game can be more balanced because the you know the less experienced players who are not on the top tier they get these bonuses so it, it can still be a good game even if if uh, one of the players is far more experienced um when, when you're running this you know so if you go to a a, a standard tournament you're going to have like a to a tournament organizer who kind of oversees everything and make sure that things run smoothly and that there's a kind of neutrality how do you ensure things go fairly when you're running a campaign? What are some maybe tips for that? that? That's a very relevant question. And obviously me running the campaign and then before the last round leading the campaign. And I, I've been in this situation before that then you need to be extremely careful charging uh, or giving, you know, any decisions on any questions arising. And, and actually that's one lesson learned that I, I was uh, talking to Mika and, and actually the rest of the people as well when we kind of wrapped up our campaign that we're going to have the next one after summer and let's definitely have two two umpires. So mm-hmm. if, if I have a stake in the question, in the situation, then I, I shouldn't be saying anything about it. I should be neutral. Mm-hmm. And the other, other umpire can, could call the decision. Sometimes... So, yeah. We Not even voted on, on, on some of uh, we we realized oh, yeah we realized that okay we have a new situation that we don't have a clear ruling on so I I just simply made a voting in in our Facebook group and and that's how it was decided so neutrality and and then uh, of course uh, you know we ran this campaign for something like three months and I think wow, uh, three months I I really needed to be also playing it and not just you know being the project manager. So Mika, as a game, uh, as, as someone playing in the game, one of the hard parts can sometimes be, you know, having a consistent schedule, right? You got to show up and you have to play these games and life happens. In fact, you know, more than life happened this year, we have, you know, COVID-19. Were there any times that you had to, you know, miss a game? And what was it, what was the kind of expectation for if you couldn't make a, a match or, or something like that? Uh, yeah, definitely the COVID-19 changed it because uh, as we started this campaign that that uh, Simon's own uh, campaign system arrived actually after that. So we had already started this and, and it wasn't yet the 
or, or the pandemic was just starting in the in the Asia. So uh, it kind of changed the situation, and of course, it came a problem that there were people whom didn't want to touch the tabletop simulator, and then there were people whom really preferred to not see anyone face to face for mm-hmm. kind of decreasing the amount of contacts for the reasons of contamination. So uh, so there came a bit of problem, and it sadly, of course, did affect this game a bit, that or this campaign, that, that there was kind of the, uh, I wouldn't say the last, last went quite smoothly, but the second last was kind of problematic, because we kind of faced that realization that now we need to... Yeah play this kind of remotely and, and it might have been a bit complex situation at that point but we just discussed it out and and then we found there a solution. Was, yeah there was some kind of proxy playing and stuff so so it yeah. was sorted out i asked from the players um when, when we realized the situation i asked them that okay please comment here once again in facebook uh what what are the me- methods that you you can play mm-hmm. and, and there was this one guy saying i only play face to face i don't want to use the simulation and right. then there, then there were people saying i only going to play simulation and then this guy challenges a, a, another player and they don't have a, oh no a, yeah so a, a, yeah so, so how so, do you how do you is there a way to build into a campaign because it's different than like a tournament right a tournament could be like a one day event how do you build into a campaign like this, some sort of mechanism for if players do need to skip out or drop out? Yeah, our people had a, in this campaign, we had a really good motivation. And then typically the campaign round would be run two or three weeks. Sometimes it went in two weeks because everybody was so eager to do it. And then the last couple of rounds were maybe slower because uh, mm-hmm. of these challenges. Yeah. But, but, um, the last round, everybody chose an opponent that they knew they can arrange a game. And, and on the round before, in the situation that I described, I stepped in as a proxy and, and played for the other, other part or the other player. Uh, I also had offered that if somebody simply just you know, can't find the time, I can take the other's faction and, oh, and, man. and step in as a proxy for some reason. Nobody wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> and so how many rounds did you, you play out your campaign then? It was five rounds. We had, uh, in the rules, we have a random length for the campaign because I've seen in previous campaigns that if everybody knows that now this is the last round, they start making actions that are like short-term goal thinking and not strategic thinking. Hmm. So after four rounds, we rolled the dice, and on a two plus on a d6, the campaign would continue for one more round, and it did. And then after five rounds, it it would be one more last round on a roll of d6, four plus result, but it was not to be. And there it ended, and Mika won. Oh, so there's a mad dash at the end there. So Mika, what was your what was your strategy? How did it play out for you? How did you win this? Uh, you know, kind of War of the Five Kings campaign then? Yeah, it was just reacting. So so I kind of started maybe a bit lazily. So so I only won two of my games out of these five games. And, Actually, and three, I think. No, two, only two. Two, I think only two, yeah. Two so, uh, 
I'm I'm counting these. Yes, two only. So I won oh only God. only two of the five games. And and okay, the first game was actually against Temus Targaryens, and and that I I realized that I went bit bit of a I don't know what's the English phrase for that, but uh, in Finnish we call it jacket open that I wasn't maybe focused <laughs> on the game correctly that I, I wasn't focusing enough but uh, then I then I realized that this is actually a tough campaign to beat and and then I just reacted on things that happened and kind of secured my points every every round I kind of had a guideline that I don't want to actually be the leader at any point because of the very strong uh, beat the leader mechanism in the campaign. But it was just a guideline that if if my tactical playing led to that situation that I, of course, will grab all the points that I can get in a round. So, but, uh, but that kind of, because I lost so many games, I couldn't get that many points. So, so there was no worrying that I would be the first player at any any given moment until yeah. at the very end. So then I just kind of with those few points that I got, because even when losing, you kind of get a pity point that you kind of can expand to neutral areas and stuff. So I just kept on taking the most cost effective points that I could kind of to enlarge my empire and and then, then, then when the the fourth round started and there was like this two plus that the game ends, I was thinking that okay, I'll trust the dice that there is no need to sprint at this point. But then when the fifth round started, then I was thinking that okay, the fifty percent chance that this really is the last round. So now it's time to do the big sprint. And then I really had to count even on a piece of paper. I just made some calculations that what is the optimal move to do in this mm. very theoretically last or second last round on a piece of paper with all the work you did on tabletop simulator i figured you'd have like <laughs> floating numbers and like computers all around you all these monitors and i had you know. quite many post-it stickers even when i did the post-it table stickers what? <laughs> is it there like an abacus to sliding things around no is that... no no, no. post-it stickers they i think that's a, that's a very good analysis and and, and uh I, I think everybody was surprised that Mika wasn't winning that many games. So I guess everybody felt that, okay, he doesn't seem to be a threat. And he was actually the only Stark player in our campaign. But um, so he was like creeping from behind. And suddenly, before the last round, he was close uh, to being, being to the top. And um, I think all, also your location was really good. So you had a, quite a few of these neutral areas that you could, in all all this in in all this silence, you could just be you know crabbing them, and 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 uh, in these events, like I said in the beginning, you have bonuses for the actual battle, or you can have bonuses for building your empire on the map, and I guess Mika was choosing more those latter ones. So even if you lose the battle on the with the miniatures, you can still grow your empire if you've chosen the, yes. that kind of bonuses. So that's I think was a part of your success. Yeah, definitely it was. So the southern area, I was very safe there that I couldn't have won without the location that I had, that I was quite secure there. And as you said, that uh, I 
took actually one or two those uh, like the the game changing things just to kind of see them through because I was interested to see them through. Some of them were very interesting and quite game altering and it was nice. But then most of the events that I took were kind of these that gave me direct points to kind of build up my empire. Yeah, that's a very good example that that you can choose a strategy that helps you to to do do quite well in the campaign even if you're not winning all of your battles and and that's once again is a good balancing system well this looks so much fun i'm looking at some of the pictures on your blog too these are amazing pictures i do have to say are these i love the pictures of the battles and there's some that are clearly in play there's one on like round three though and i and i don't want to make anyone feel bad but is this a state there's this must be a stage photo there's a picture of just john snow He's the only one left in his unit and he's activated <laughs> and he is surrounded by like five units of screamers all ready to charge. Yes. That, is that real? Because that's scary. I, I was like, oh no, this poor, poor person. Yeah, that was a game I played. Oh and, no. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was playing Targaryens. I was the only player with Targaryens and I had actually uh, lost my second round game against Baratheons. I was stupid and I actually charged them, which you shouldn't do. <laughs> and and yeah, I, you know, I just could have run around them. But um, so I, I was feeling that okay, that's not good. Now I need to really, really win the next round. And and I, I got an opponent playing uh, Night Watch, and uh, he's not as experienced as I am. So I, it was like ruthless approach. And and no mercy, and it was three rounds wipeout, or something like that. But uh, yeah, there my gloves came off, and because some of the games against less experienced players, I was maybe experimenting different things and not really playing that hardcore. But there I had to be really tough. And these models are also painted. So if you guys want to check out the the uh, the recap of this event and uh, some more details on on how it went go on over to 25 years of minis.blogspot.com um, looks amazing and you actually even have the image of the uh, the risk board that you used up on the site so if other people want to kind of use that image to to run the campaign for themselves or do some version of it um, you've made it available there that's amazing yeah, and there's been uh, quite a bit of interest. So everybody who's then sent me a private message on Messenger, I've shared all of our, you know, templates and materials from Google Drive. So so people are most welcome to contact me. And uh, you know, with with one American guy, we translated because our campaign document is in Finnish, but we uh, translated it so it's available in English too. That's always much appreciated. My finish is not so great at this time. Really? And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And then I saw you also had some really cool uh, prizes there at the end, too. Yeah, some, some handcraft. Uh, Mika got uh, his own King's Guard. It looks amazing. A cool trophy there. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yes, of course. And it's going to be, I don't know what's the word in English, but when we have uh, the next campaign, the whoever wins that, then claims that trophy from Mika. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you guys are just a, a hotbed. Your community is a hotbed of creative thinking and original content. 
Thank you so much for all the work you're doing for the Song of Ice and Fire community. It's really amazing. I'm excited to see what the reaction to this. I know we have a lot of people that are really interested in campaign events, and it seems like you guys have got a really good formula. It really worked quite well. And uh, one of the things that people needed to get, get sort of, you know, uh, wrap their brain around it, that like I've been talking about these bonuses that we call events, and they are totally not all that equally good. And people are really like, this is much better than that, and that's over OP, and that's not so good. And I, I needed to keep saying, yes, they are meant to be, so that the low-ranking players can have better bonuses. And like Miko was saying, maybe one of the most interesting bonuses for the actual battle was, I think it was called plentiful leadership, and a player could choose two commanders for his army. One would, one would be the real commander getting the commander benefits, but he would get both of those characters in his army and both of their tactics cards. And, and that was a quite interesting experiment. Pretty powerful, I hear. I never get the opportunity it, to take it. It is. You can imagine that you can make quite powerful combinations with certain leaders. So, mm -hmm. so I would say that Stark has certain leaders, and I would presume that Lannister will also benefit from that. So, so, so it gave kind of interesting. So, as I said in the beginning, that I kind of wanted to play the game in a bit different way, and that, mm. that definitely makes it different. It was also like experimenting this stuff, and, yeah. and uh, but it, it worked. That's amazing. And so, uh, any shout outs you guys want to give here? Well, I guess I did uh, for Mika for, for really helping our campaign to transform into hybrid uh, with the TTS. So that was yeah. really cool. And also, Michael from US who helped me to translate the campaign document into Eng English. So now it's uh, easier to share. And I have people from, from Europe and South America and US, UK. So there are people trying this already out, and, and I think it's it's a reward in itself uh, to be able to help other people enjoy. It's Absolutely. it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's one of the best things about this game, right? Is that you know we're still growing as a community. We're all, you know get to share, collaborate. I think that's in the end what it's all about. Yep. So keep up the work, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>